Welcome to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast, where insights, attitudes, and methods for success get illuminated. Learn what leaders and change workers have done and are doing now to create magnificent futures. We interview great guests who inspire you to overcome obstacles and achieve your goals. Be sure you visit our website at self-helpcoaching.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, just relax as you listen. You can do something else, but be ready to make an important note. And let's get started. The title of this interview is Doug O'Brien, Hypnosis and NLP Legend. I love it. <laughs> Sounds like a great title. I'd love to meet that guy. Yeah, I wonder who yeah. came up with it. It's, it's fantastic. I, I, I really do love it. And, you know, it's one of the great, one of the great things that I have I find, and it's extremely important to me, is comedy and a sense of humor. Uh, and not that you're not that you're not a legend, but just to, that's a great title that has a bit of a tongue-in-cheek to it. Uh, and I love it. But before I tell you Doug's bio, allow me to tell you how I know Doug. Um, I met him at a seminar with Jonathan Altfeld. They were both presenting. And uh, they were presenting uh, some NLP great stuff in neuro-linguistic programming, but they were also, it was also a, a kind of a promotion for their belief craft training, which was a component of, I think Jonathan's master practitioner, maybe yours as well, Doug, I'm not sure. And uh, I, I, I subsequently went and I was blown away, but let's talk about this seminar. He, seminar, he, he Doug's, one of Doug's specialties is sleight of mouth. And, and quite frankly, you know, I learned this from Doug uh, who stole it from Robert Dills. No, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding about that. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. <laughs> He's completely authorized by Robert Dills uh, and was trained by him himself, in fact. Uh, but the way he introduced this premise of limiting beliefs uh, of all beliefs is that he, he's talking about beliefs and how people make beliefs. One, one a simplified way that he teaches it in um, Slide of mouth is an NBS, a normalized belief structure, which is a simple way to understand beliefs. And you know, and we think that we 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 have these beliefs and and they're reality or they're true, and <laughs> they are not. And he explained how you know people well, I you know people believe this and they believe that, and of course we don't exclude ourselves. And he said, well, let's disassemble. Uh, let's disassemble this a little bit and see what can be beneath this belief. And he's talking, he's holding an attache case, a really nice worn leather one. He goes, let's look who's behind this belief. He reaches in there, there's a rolled, a rolled uh, pair of black socks, which, which the meaning is, I, I interpret is that our beliefs may not be built on very strong foundations. <laughs> I don't know if I interpret that correctly. Uh, that was my interpretation, but I found that to be true, especially after I've learned that and used this with my clients, you know, how beliefs can really, really be changed pretty easily because of a number of reasons, not the least of which is they're not built on very strong foundations. So let me continue my introduction. <laughs> so I met him with Jonathan. Uh, they talked about belief craft, which I, I subsequently went to was fantastic, which is a combination of Doug's sleight of mouth and Jonathan Altfeld's uh, knowledge engineering. And by the way, I had Jonathan on this podcast recently, Doug. It was great. Cool. Um, great. And I, I mentioned to him and I, you know, I'd, I ran it by him first because 
from Beliefcraft, I learned both components, sleight of mouth from you, knowledge engineering from Jonathan, which is now called genius mapping, I think. Anyway, I told him with great respect that I never used knowledge engineering after the fact. I thought it was too complex. It was too complex. I, I didn't think I wasn't comfortable with it in terms of using it with clients. But I used I used the hell out of sleight of mouth <laughs> and got why because it was so massively effective. Mm, but yeah. Jonathan conceded though that it was because the three days that he trained uh, knowledge engineering was insufficient to teach it because it is a lot more complex mm -hmm. uh, than sleight of mouth uh, and and it takes it takes longer to become proficient at it and that's exactly what was my experience uh, and so. Uh, Man, sleight of mouth is awesome. Uh, we're gonna get into this, but it is, uh, you know, I don't know. If, I don't know. By the way, audience, sleight of, you know, if, if you heard of uh, sleight of hand, which is what a magicians or people who do trickery do, that's what sleight of mouth is a play on that that term. Uh, I remember when at that at that first workshop, um, you were you were talking about this and that, and I was like, oh, oh, let me say something, let me share something about sleight of mouth that Robert Dills observed about Richard Bandler, and, and not realizing how how adroit you were with sleight of mouth, and then you went into this whole thing, I was like, wow, I'm, this guy, I gotta just show up and listen, <laughs> which I did, um, but uh, it is an incredibly useful and effective methodology, woof, I, I gotta tell you, in my coaching practice, which you played and you were instrumental in. Uh, we'll get into that. It was probably what I used most of uh, what I used most of all in common because it was so. I mean, it was so versatile and applicable and effective. Yeah. It was just awesome. So, I think there are like fifteen patterns or so. Yeah, it depends on how you count them. There's either fourteen or sixteen. Yeah, well, I, I, so I averages I, out to fifteen there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they were just uh, okay. I digress. So let, uh, let's continue. <laughs> I, um, you're, I'm so thrilled to have you on here. Let me tell you. Look, Doug, I, look, my my notes for you is blue paper. Yeah, I'm not white paper. Doug gets the blue paper. Listen, I'll, we'll get into how Doug is really special to me, truly, uh, and uh, and really a major influence on me, and. Uh, so, but I also, I learned all this, but from Doug, but uh, my first coach was Doug O'Brien right here. He was my first life coach. I learned so much about coaching from him. Uh, I went to a number of his workshops, such as Havening, and the only, and which blew me away. And the only reason why I didn't become trained and certified in Havening is that my life coaching practice, I did it purely on the phone. Mm -hmm. And Havening is like a touch therapy so it wasn't applicable yeah. for me. but i wanted to it was so awesome but it just didn't fit my my business model we can talk more about that you know since since covid a year ago i haven't touched anybody you know but i'm still doing havening mostly over zoom now i just show them what to do touching wow. the stuff fantastic so, yeah. modern is technology cool. is awesome we're, we're, we're having this interview over zoom this is, it's incredible it is it, it is, is awesome it's almost uh, as good as indoor plumbing <laughs> we were talking before the interview about how we, him and I, are true, you know, appreciators of indoor plumbing, which yeah. everyone should be. Everyone should have be, it. Yeah. <laughs> but we, it's not lost on us. And and I did point out to Doug that the Romans began it, and he was a little jealous. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's from the <laughs> or, you know, uh, I'm from the southern. Actually, I'm a quarter Irish, actually. Uh, but I'm well, ashamed of that okay. part. That's I'm why ashamed. we like each other. You know, no, I'm really kidding. <laughs> you know, I did a DNA test and I found that I am much less Italian than I thought. And actually, oh, 
And actually the greatest majority of the ethnic background or whatever you want to call it is Irish. They said Irish, I was 26%. There was Italian 25, there was Greek 25. So I'm more, oh. I, I'm actually mostly Irish. Hey, kiss me. <laughs> well, how'd you get 1%? I don't, I don't recall. Uh, you know, I'm, not good, I'm not good with the math. Don't ask me math questions. All right, all right. I should have never brought the numbers up. Um, but there was, there was stuff that was very intriguing. Have you ever done this? I've, I've done a lot of genealogy. Well, I haven't personally. My, my cousin is very much into genealogy, so we do have traced the family tree quite a bit. But I haven't done the, the DNA, no. Oh, it's, it's very cool. So uh, another great workshop I took from you is uh, Stories from the Outside In with Nick yeah. Kemp. That was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and and you know, one other thing, not the, not, not, not the least uh, of my intro in terms of my personal relationship with you, even though this is almost an aside, is that we've both been in punk rock bands. I know. That's the first thing I remember about you, because in, in that workshop with Jonathan Altfeld, I mentioned that I was... Uh, in a punk rock band, or you said, or, or, I don't know, somehow it came up that we were both in punk rock bands. And you asked me the name of my band, and I said, Ultraviolence. And you said, oh, I heard of them. Yeah. It's like, no, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I certainly did. I know. No, I'm, but you I'm, didn't. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a historian. I'm a historian on from a number of things, not the least of which is punk rock. Really? So actually, no. the, the, my actual band from 1980, 81, you've heard of. Yes, yep, totally. And let me and let me say one other thing though about this, and then we'll, then we'll move on to his, okay. his, his actual resume. Is that <laughs> talk about actual Dave, uh, Dave? Doug is an actual musician. <laughs> I, I am not. I my job was really to look pretty on the stage with a mohawk, <laughs> you know, insult the audience. I was a hell of a front man. I could hardly keep staying keen for more than two seconds. Yeah. Uh, but I, I kept them looking, but they kind of put their fingers in their ears when I sung. I was a singer. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so let me get into the actual bio, which okay. I was completely sincere, though. Except the parts that were tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, yeah. uh, Doug is the author of the user's guide of, uh, to sleight of mouth, which was a kind of work, you know, manual for me. Plus, I had the, work, the workbook from his training so i had both and i constantly consulted with them when i when i when i when i coached people which is over the phone the great thing about coaching people over the phone is they can't see you i always have all my papers on my desk my manuals that i'm consulting they think i'm so smart no <laughs> i'm not i'm not i just put it all together just, i do the preparation it's all the preparations my friend he's a he's a certified trainer of hypnosis Certified trainer of havening techniques, which you mentioned, a master trainer of NLP, neuro linguistic programming, based in New York City. As a hypnotherapist, he helped found the Department of Complementary Medicine at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital in the 1990s under Dr. Oz, which he provided pre surgical hypnosis to cardiac patients. As a seminar leader, he has traveled the world teaching neo Ericksonian hypnosis, sleight of mouth behaving techniques and storytelling. He is the author of the forthcoming The Storyteller's Handbook. It's been some time since we spoke. You can you might see you might be detecting audience we're a little bit giddy, maybe a little bit meaty mostly, <laughs> but it's really a really a true pleasure to be speaking with them again. And it's a real shame because the guy, as you might have already ca caught wind of, is really a major influence on me. Uh, and with that I give you Doug O'Brien. Wow, cool, man. Uh, well, listen, it's been nice listening to you. I got to go now, though. Oh, uh, uh, no, no. Contract <laughs> says you're here for two hours. 
<laughs> that was the longest introduction I have ever sat through, but I appreciate every minute of it. <laughs> but I, what I love about you, Tony, is that you do have a great sense of humor and I can, you know, I can, you know, play with you and, and kid you and tease you and stuff. But that was, I, I, thank you. It was a really beautiful introduction. So great to be here with you. It's great to see you again. You too. Glad you're well. Totally, totally. Really great to see you. And I got to say, you you look a lot older than I last saw. Again. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, you do too, man. But the, yeah. I, I, wait a second. Let me, let me. Let you, you got a gray beard going so on. So I, I got one foot in the grave. Literally one foot's <laughs> in the grave right now. I'm a little off kilter. <laughs> now you actually, one thing about you, you're a, you, you really have a vitality. You, you don't, you don't look nowhere near your age, which I think is like 130. 130 was yet, well, Last birthday, yes. Um, I'll be 131 soon. But no, he I'm you not... truly have a vitality about you. You you are a young looking person, and I'm not revealing his age. It's even older than 130. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we have so much to talk about. But first, tell me about EssentialCoachingSkills.com. What do you want to know? I'm like, how? What gives you the right, right? How, <laughs> how do you, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you how it happened. And it's kind of an interesting story. But since uh, I've got two hours, <laughs> once upon a time, uh, I'm going to just slow down. All right. Before you get going, let's take <laughs> let's take a quick moment to hear from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Doug O'Brien. He's going to tell us all about EssentialCoachingSkills.com. This episode of Self Help Coaching is brought to you by Perfizio. What if there was a self-improvement program truly personalized to you, that knew and cared for you deeply, that whatever was going on in your life adapted for you perpetually? Visit www.perphysio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O.io, where you can start a program that will always suit you considering all the pressures and nuances of your life. You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petroza, and I have with me Doug O'Brien, who was my first life coach and really changed my life, hopefully for the better. <laughs> <laughs> and he's about to tell us about EssentialCoachingSkills.com. All right, so here's what happened. Um, a couple, three years ago, I was on a podcast with... Uh, Oh gosh, how embarrassing. Tony Petroza. It was, it was the yeah. first interview, Tony Petroza. Uh, um, anyway, so I was on this, this podcast and this guy um, had read my book, the, the User's Guide to Sleight of Mouth. And so um, he was very, very complimentary about you know what he'd learned from that. That's why he wanted me on his podcast. And he gave me the advice to, to, to start the, uh, the, the membership site, the Essential Coaching Skills membership site. Um, he said that I should take all my stuff off the market and just say, to get it, you've got to join this membership site. So I was about set to do that. I'd gotten this office, as you know, with Melissa Tears. I was part of the um, Center for Integrative Hypnosis there on 29th Street in Manhattan. I'd, By the way, I'd let sound... me interrupt you. I think, if yeah. I may, I think yeah. I saw, I'm the guy who indirectly put you two together because I, when I first oh, you told you about him or uh, her and uh, she was bringing John Overdorf and you were like, oh, Melissa Overdorf. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then you, then you left your Brooklyn office and went to, you know, you, you went, you, you have an office at her Manhattan uh, center, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. That is, that is absolutely correct. Except that it's closed now. It, it's oh, gone. Because of COVID? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, so yeah. nobody nobody was there, so we just decided it would be still need to pay rent on the place. So uh, Melissa closed it, and and so I brought all my stuff up here. So here's what happened: um, wow. I was all set to go. I had soundproofed the the office that I had there. I, you know, I'd gotten this rise up desk. I'd gotten that circular light. I'd gotten that microphone. I was going to you know do all this online training, and, and I was all ready to launch uh, maybe in May or June. Oh, and then COVID happened, right? And COVID happened, and suddenly you know March. New York City, the epicenter of the world of the COVID crisis, you know, so I, I got out of town. I just, I split town and my wife and her up, upstate in uh, about two hours north of the city in a little house we bought a long time ago, but we never thought we'd live here. It was like a weekend little cabin, you know, but it does have indoor plumbing. Thank you. Guys. Thank you, Romans. And um, <laughs> yes, I, I do appreciate it, Tony. And in all of your disparate heritages. I appreciate all of, all of their contributions to, to making my life easier. Um, but, you know, suddenly I had all this stuff in an office in Manhattan upon which I was paying, you know, Manhattan rents. And, and I did, you know, started doing my business from a laptop, and which is what I'm doing right now. I'm talking to you on my same laptop. It's kind of amazing. It just sort of COVID stomped on the gas pedal, you know, my foot's there, no, not so fast, not so fast. And it just sort of made things go really fast. So um, the Essential Coaching Skills website, essentialcoachingskills.com is that membership site. It's it's still a work in progress. I, I don't know if I've launched it properly yet because, you know, it was a rush job back then, but it is still my home now. And I've got lots of things there. NLP trainings are there and hypnosis trainings are there and sleight of mouth trainings are there. So that's where to go for one-stop shopping. You know, when I, when I was creating the virtual coaching program, by the way, when, <laughs> no, I'll say for a little bit later because you were so instrumental, but uh, in creating it, I, you know, I saw that there are modern ways to do things that things that think that that things haven't caught up with the modernity of things. So I wanted to create this virtual coaching program because it was simply mm -hmm. modern, right? Uh, yeah. And and COVID just kind of, I'm gonna say expedited, kind of just said people get, you don't have, you know, the technology is there and now you got to use it. Yeah. Uh, and that and that's what's going on here. I mean, when I created the VCP, I was like, this is gonna be massively, the more I worked on it, the more um, pervasive and, and huge I saw it would be. But, you know, people ask me, oh, COVID's really gonna help your business. Like, no, COVID to me, for, my, for, for what my business model, it's irrelevant, uh, but because, because it's gonna be successful for the reasons that it's going to be. But, but because of the pandemic, we were forced to become much more, you know, remote <laughs> for our own for our own yeah. safety, right? And, and but we find that once we start working with it, we really find the solutions and, and becoming more and more effective. It's just awesome, I think. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And actually, Doug, I'm a, I'm a recluse. My life is exactly the same now as it was before the pandemic. I'm like a caveman, you know, which is which is not it's not too far from the truth. Facebook is my social life. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. No, I, I'm not that different. I, 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 um, back when I had the office in Manhattan at, at Melissa's, I would go to the office at nine in the morning and just stay there all day. And sometimes people would come in and see me do a session or whatever, but most of my work was online. Um, and it was moving that direction. I was going to be doing online classes from Melissa's office, my office in Melissa's suite. Um, 
but it was mostly going to be online anyway. Now it just is all online. And um, I'm up at this cabin up in the woods kind of thing. And, and I'm really lucky that we A, have indoor plumbing, B, we have electricity and internet. And C, I've got a piano up here. So I, I get to play uh, the piano a whole lot more than I did when I was living in Brooklyn and going to the office in Manhattan all the time. So this is this is great for me. I mean, I hate to say it, but COVID's been great for me. <laughs> hey, 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 that's that's the mark. You know, that's actually the mark of a of a successful person is that they're adaptable, they're flexible, they they look for the the silver lining. You know, they look for the opportunity, and that you know, as we as I learned in NLP, is that you know the more flexible we are the more successful we'll be or or in the case of a maybe a contest the more dominating yeah. will be uh, oh, in, in the flexibility and here in, okay and that's by the way that's one of the things i did learn um, from tony robbins early on he was my first nlp teacher just by the way um and i worked for tony for 10 years but he always said you know flexibility is power absolutely you know, if you have the flexibility to adapt and to adjust and you know um, do the best you can with what you got you know that's that's where the power is by the way, so you were living in Brooklyn. Your office was in Brooklyn. I'm still in Brooklyn, born and raised and returned here. Uh, you're back, you're up in Catskills now. I'm, I love, love, love upstate New York. I grew up That's going good. there. Uh, more yeah. in the Adirondacks, but I certainly spent lots of times in the Catskills. I, I got big plans for upstate New York. I love upstate New York. Cool. Uh, I think you're from Buffalo, if I'm not mistaken. I am from Buffalo. Right? That's correct. Uh, so we, you know, we have a lot of things in common. Doug, on paper, we should be best freaking friends. What's going on? <laughs> well, I just don't really like you. That well, I, it's where it falls apart. That's where it falls apart. <laughs> look at the theory. Look at the, look at the data, man. Best friends. <laughs> it's like Moneyball. So how, how did you get into NLP? Well, Tony, that's a great question. Let me tell you. Um, I was playing in a punk rock band. Actually, that's not true. I was playing in a punk rock band for a couple of years. Then it segued into being just more of a, a new wave 80s band, you know, padded shoulders. You know. I love them both. Yeah, it was, it was very cool. We, I mean, I played plays. It was great. I, I played CBGBs. I played uh, Studio 54. I played, you know, Red Parrot. I played these big dance places. And it was amazing because I don't know how it happened. This is just an aside. I'm sorry if it's it's going off in the tangent. I love it. I love it. Please. I don't know how it happened. We somehow got hooked up with this thing called the, um, we became the opening act for this group called the uh, Jazz and Salsa All-Stars, who, as it sounds, played jazz and salsa. It was a big band, you know, but they they were nothing, nothing at all like us. They, we were a, you know, new wave 80s band, you know. Uh, influences like Talking Heads and stuff. It was kind of this interesting band. Um, but we, you know, nothing. And so people would be like dancing at Studio 54. They'd be playing and dancing and stuff. Then we'd come on and everybody would stop and look at us while we played. And we were <laughs> trying to play, you know, dance music. It was That's what we thought we were doing. But everybody just like watch us or they'd go get a drink or something. And then as soon as we were done, they, you know, disco stuff would come back on and they go like, yes, dancing. And then when the jazz and salsa all-stars came on, man, it was packed. It was jamming. They were great. That was just an amazingly good band. That's another thing we got in common because that was my experience as a musician as well. What? Well, you just described. People would stare at us like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is this part? Yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you, one of my favorite things I ever, favorite gigs I ever had was, my nieces 
Sweet 16. She loved my, she was, she was a little young budding punk rocker. She said, Uncle Tony, you got to come play it. Okay. And we're a hardcore band. Yeah, so right. We played it and you have to see the chins on the floor on that, <laughs> that banquet hall. Oh my God. <laughs> like, so it wasn't, even, it wasn't a punk gig. It was a Sweet 16. It was oh, awesome, Jesus. man. <laughs> and we, and we did not hold back, let me tell you. I wow. mean, I, I knew, I, you know, there were kids there. Like, that was not lost on me. But uh, I, I hope somebody filmed that. I hope somebody had a camera. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. I, I, you That's know, just hilarious. I right? love seeing video of, you know, the, me as an artist. You know, uh, I'm a entrepreneur certainly i'm a coach absolutely manilpa but more than anything i i identify as an artist i see life as art i see mm, all of mm. life as art man all this it's an expression for yeah. us to express personally to interact and cooperate expressively i i love it it's beautiful yeah uh, I love your story of getting into NLP. NLP. Oh, did I finish? I didn't finish. Oh, so I'm sorry. So <laughs> let me know if you have to stop for another commercial. But um, so I was playing. Oh, yeah, yeah, all right. All right. You know, this is a perfect time for us to have a commercial and we'll come right back and Doug will wrap, it, wrap up how we got into NLP. And then we'll get into the next 30 questions. Okay, cool. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Perficio. Benjamin Franklin taught that leisure is the time for doing something useful and that this leisure the diligent person will obtain but the lazy one never visit www.perficio.io that's p-e-r-f-i-c-i-o.io where you can transform your idea of leisure to make it actually add to your life you're listening to the self-help coaching podcast with doug o'brien doug you're going to finish up on how you got into nlp yeah, so I was playing music in, in bands in New York City, and then um, I had a girlfriend who had gone to this Tony Robbins thing, and um, that's a whole story, but I, I'll just say um, the way Tony was marketing back then, because nobody knew who he was. He was 24 years old, hadn't written a book, hadn't done anything. Nobody knew who the heck this guy was, and nobody wow. was attending the seminars, and so he was he was modeling his business basically after um, Est, after uh, what's become the Forum. You know, so basically, people, I love yeah, people would go to these seminars, and the idea was that if if you went to the seminar and liked it, then you would enroll your friends and family to come take the seminar the next time. That was Tony's marketing strategy that he got from from the forum. So, you know, once this girlfriend of mine had taken this seminar, well, guess what? She was all gung ho on getting me to go to the next one, which was about six months later, six weeks later. Sorry, six weeks later. Um, so April of 1985. I think it was maybe February, but somewhere. Um, oh my goodness, it is April now. So that's like something round number years ago. 35. Coincidence? 40. I think not. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Anyway, um, so I went to this firewalk thinking, okay, I'm just going to get her off my back and still quit bothering me about taking the silly seminar. Who wants to learn how to walk on cross hot burning coals? What is the point? But Tony was using it as an introduction to NLP. It, he was an NLP trainer at the time. And so he was using this firewalk as a demonstration of what you can do when you know NLP. You can do seemingly impossible things by changing the way you think in your mind. So firewalk was a demonstration of the power of NLP and it was an introduction to it. So I wanted to learn more. It was very cool. I was surprised how much I liked it. I had a great time that night. That night. So I, I signed up for the rest of the weekend. Now, I might remind you, I was a musician, so I had no money. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> but, but I had you a know, really... believe it or not, those things aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. <laughs> no. And they were at the time for me, for sure. And so anyway, I, I, um, I was willing to work, however. So I, I got on staff and did whatever I needed to do to, you know, to, to sweat equity, attend these, these workshops. So that's one of the reasons I got into working for Tony Robbins, because I was working for him, for him from the, from the get-go. Um, Luck would have it, I, I, uh, I took to it a bit and I went to take other seminars from other people who taught it. Did, got my first certification from Tony and while I was there, I met Robert Diltz. While I was there, I met Dave Dobson, a hypnotist. While I was there, I met Tam, Ted James and Wyatt Woodsmall and Richard Bandler. It was, it was amazing, it was amazing. And, and I thought, oh my God, these guys are doing Tony's technology. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm <laughs> laughing because Doug will tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Tony was, <laughs> Richard Bandler made it up, you know, he was the, the founder of it, but I had learned it from Tony, so I thought he had he invented it, people called it Tony's technology, but it was in fact, you know, they were the originators, so I figured, oh man, I'm going to study with them, because Tony studied with them, so I want to learn from the best, so I did, and I got, over the years, I've, I've trained with just, just about everybody that, I, that would let me uh, train with them, you know, Robert Diltz, I got my master's certification, master train, um, master practitioner from Robert Diltz, got the trainer's training from Richard Bounder. So along the way, I've trained with a lot of really good people. And um, yeah. Tony I, Robbins is an icon of mine. You know, he, he is yeah. just phenomenal. And uh, when, and as Proficio grows and we're going to, we're going to transform self-help. Uh, and so I'll be talking to Tony Robbins. And of course my in is I got to, you know, and, uh, George Costanza used it on Seinfeld. Is I got the same first name. He's like he was saying no, that Jerry that Seinfeld should meet Jerry Lewis and say we got the same first name, Jerry. Yeah. I'll right. come up to Tony Robbins. Forget what my my value, my business. Tony, Tony, and Tony. Come on, let's do business. <laughs> and I got it work. And I'll say to him, Tony, you remember Doug O'Brien's? Doug O'Brien recommends me. <laughs> but at that point, they'll probably say, "Get out of my office." Get out of here. Who let this guy in? No, but truly, I, I, I practically idolize Robbins. He is phenomenal. He is yeah, just an yeah. incredible force of nature. I mean, he probably he's considered, a force of nature, no doubt about it. Probably yeah. considered the, the so world. basically, that's how I get into NLP. And um, as time went on, I realized that I could make more money doing hypnosis and NLP sessions with people than, it, than I could teaching piano lessons. So I segued out of music and into this. How'd you get into Ericksonian hypnosis now? Well, that's another story. That's another um, question. <laughs> well, interestingly, um, a lot of the NLP guys referred to Erickson, you know, because a lot of NLP is derived from Ericksonian hypnosis. So Bandler, you know, modeled Erickson, wrote a book, a couple books on Erickson's work. Um, the, the patterns, the hypnotic patterns of the Milton H. Erickson, MD, volume one is written, written by Bandler and Grinder. You know, it's one of the early NLP books. So it's mentioned, it referenced all the time. When I went to that certification course with Tony Robbins, there was a guy there named Dave Dobson who was a hypnotist. Now, I thought he, because of all this mentioning of Erickson, that he was doing Ericksonian hypnosis. Turns out he was sort of, but he'd only met Erickson, um, done a, like a weekend workshop with him or whatever, but had learned his, created his own way of doing hypnosis that happened to be very parallel to Ericksonian hypnosis. But I didn't know that at the time. I thought it was the real thing. You know, the, I thought it was what I was looking for. It was what I was looking for. D Dobson was great. But I went and I studied with him a couple of times because he was teaching uh, workshops that he 
didn't like to call workshops, so we called them fun shops. So I went to his fun shops and, and learned what he does called uh, other than conscious communication. And along the way, I also realized that there are other people who are doing more of the, uh, let's say, tried and true Ericksonian hypnosis. So I, I tried to get into some of those trainings. I found the doors to those were fairly well closed to me because I was a musician. I was not a psychologist or a psychotherapist or a you know, social worker or anything like that. So many people wouldn't let me into their trainings, um, even though I've got legitimate college degrees, you know, but no, not in psychology, you don't. So they wouldn't let me in. So I, I got in the back door. Here's what I did. I matriculated at a university for psychotherapy. I got into a master's degree program. I never attended a class, um, <laughs> but I was an official student. And so as an official student of psychotherapy, they would let me in to these um, programs. So I studied with the Ericksonians that I wanted to study with, uh, Bill O'Hanlon. And Stephen Gilligan became actually a, a good mentor to me. And I've, he's, he, he does do trainings for non, you know, LSWs or psychotherapists. He, he does trainings for non-credentialed peoples, which is great. And he's a fantastic, he's probably my favorite Ericksonian anyway. So I'm, I'm pleased that he's the guy that lets me in most frequently. So even now that I'm no longer a student, I can take his trainings. For a long time, I, I periodically thought about becoming educated as a psychologist, you know, yeah. one psychology degree or another. But some years ago, I threw that terrible notion right out of my mind because, you know, I don't, I can help people as a coach, as a nilper, uh, and even more people, you know, through business as, a, as an entrepreneur than as a degree psychologist necessarily. You know, and that's indeed that's what I've I've done. I mean, you know, I had a life coaching practice. By the way, let me say this. You know, I when I created my virtual coaching program, well, and actually when I when I hired you as a coach, uh, I you know when I obviously we we had discourse and you learned more about me, and and I said that I'm considering becoming a coach. You know, I'm thinking about doing it in you know a year or two. You you weren't going to hear any of that. You got me going. You got me going. And I would say that I started my coaching practice probably a year and a half prior to what I had in my mind, because I was thinking about all these things I had to, you know, move at the, at the pace of a snail of a turtle with to get going. And you said, okay, yeah, all right, Tony. Yeah. We'll have you moving at that. No, no. And I, I, I started my coaching practice so much more quickly under your guidance. Uh, and you know, you weren't telling me what to do. <laughs> you just helped me get to where I wanted to go without jerking around. <laughs> it was so awesome. And I, and I mimicked that in creating the virtual coaching program in that people love to procrastinate starting, right? But love, love to procrastinate all sorts of things, but especially starting, right? And yeah. so I, I said, well, you know, how did Doug get me going? <laughs> and I did that with the virtual coaching program. That's, you know, that is a major problem why self-help doesn't work or any other thing, you know, if we don't start it. Well, yeah. So you got to get started. So you, as a coach, you got me started. Uh, virtual coaching program does the same thing. I learned it from Doug O'Brien personally, and I get people started. That's an indispensable thing is to get started. And I learned so much from you. I'm, I, I would say that I think primarily the thing that I learned from you that of the most value is simply chunking down, which is an NLP term list, uh, listeners for making things smaller, more bite-sized, more doable, that is what a game changer it is. We think that things has to be in this 
this size when it doesn't have to be, it could be any size we want to get to, to, to do it. It's, it was just an invaluable. Yeah. Thing. I am, I am of the belief that anything can be taught if it's chunked into appropriate bite-sized pieces. People, if you can understand this, then you can go to that, then you can go to this and you can go to that. So if you chunk things down to bite-sized pieces and do them in a you know sequential way that you can, you can learn anything. Yep. You're, you're where I got it from. <laughs> So that's great. So let's take a quick moment to hear from our sponsor and we'll be right back with Doug. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Perficio. Ever heard of accelerated learning techniques? What if you learn more deeply than ever before? What if you remembered what you learned far better than ever before? Visit www.perficio.io. That's perficio.io, where you can understand perhaps better than ever before. You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with the NLP legend, Doug O'Brien. <laughs> Doug, what about storytelling and sleight of mouth? Did you make that up? Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. Storytelling didn't exist until I came around. That's a brand new thing, dude. Come on. You, know, you don't get enough credit. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's the Romans invented it. Yeah. It all goes story. back. Um, but seriously storytelling has been around as long as there have been people obviously and and it was it's huge today but it was huger in in the in the day because it was what we had it was the way we learned lessons the way we taught how to live you know it was it was our our history books you know it was storytelling it was an oral history but what's cool about it is because it's been around for so long, because we've been doing it for so long, it is just wired into our brain. It just is. We are wired for storytelling, which is why I could say something to you right now, like, uh, you know, slow and steady wins the race, right? And, you know, it's like the tortoise and the hare, Tony. It's the tortoise and the hare. Right to my head. That's the image. And you know exactly what it is. And that story from Aesop's Fables has been around for 2,500 years. You know, that was written to that was written down 2,500 years ago. It's probably a story that was a lot around a long time before that. Aesop was a storyteller. He wasn't a story author. He was one of those guys that went around telling stories. So probably he was around a long time, but Aesop was one of the first people to write them down. I right? wonder if it's in the public domain now so I can go steal it like I stole Benjamin Franklin's The Way to Wealth. No, I'm only I kidding. No doubt. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I said, I have no doubt. I have no doubt it's been But yeah, so that's what storytelling is all about. Now, I mentioned before Ericksonian hypnosis. Ericksonian hypnosis is largely um, a, a storytelling kind of therapy. It's not exclusively, it's not, that's a, probably a gross overgeneralization, but let's just say this. He's famous for telling stories. Let's put it that way. He, Erickson was famous for telling stories within therapy. Um, and honestly, I will tell you this also from my own experience, when I went to these Tony Robbins certification courses, because after, by the way, I got certified and became a trainer for Tony. So I went for years to first his NLP certification courses. Then he changed it to NAC. Um, is that right? And yes. No. Neuroassociative conditioning. Yes. Yeah, right. no, first, but there was an intermediate step. He changed it first from NLP to NCS. So instead oh, of, I NLP, don't know that. It, yeah, NCS was NeuroCode Systems. So I am literally one of the only certified NeuroCode System practitioners in the world because it only lasted for a year. And then he wow. changed it to the NAC for Neuro Associative Conditioning. Um, but he was still basically the same program, different letters, um, and he's teaching these certification courses. 
So I went to them a lot and I loved them, loved every minute of them, don't get me wrong. But what I particularly loved is on opening night, he would tell this story. Tony Robbins would tell this like half hour long, 45 minute long story of him doing something like going on this adventure rafting and, and it, was, it was just packed with metaphors and it was packed with all these stuff. And I just loved the storytelling quality. I, he's good. He's a really good storyteller. He would tell stories about, you know, the, the Brooklyn Dodgers and, you know, he would just, there'd be a, so quiet you could hear a pin drop in this place and, you know, be tears running down people's eyes. It, it was amazing. He's a great storyteller. And I just loved that ability. I thought, I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to do that. And one time he had this woman come in. He always brought comedians in, brought this woman in whose, whose name I can't remember right now. I'm sorry. This is the second time I've blanked on somebody's name in the middle of the story. But she was a great comedian. But what she was was she was deaf. And, you know, she could speak and she could hear hearing aids. You know, she, she was very, very good. But she was she was deaf. And she was telling all these jokes about, you know, her deafness and things. It was very, very funny. But then um, she just starting taking questions from the audience kind of thing. And she started telling her life story. And that was amazing. You know, when she told her life story, it was just like, oh my God, she just grabbed your heart. And what was amazing about her ability to tell the stories, it was, it was heart-wrenching stuff. It was really gut-wrenching stuff. But she was able to, even though you, everyone was crying, listening to this thing, she just had the ability to continue telling her story, even though she herself was crying. She was, you know, stayed on this track. This storytelling ability was so impactful that I really wanted to do it. And then a few years um, later, I was in England teaching with Nick Kemp. I was teaching sleight of mouth over there with Nick Kemp. And we started talking about stories and we, it was his idea to start this website called Stories from the Outside In, where we were going to each of us tell stories and have them recorded and have this um, illustrated website of a inn that people would go into the inn and then they'd go to the library and they'd listen to these stories and they'd go to the den and hear these stories and different rooms of the house would have different stories that they go into. It was very interesting um, idea that we brought to fruition to an extent, but it wasn't quite the... Um, interactive site we'd hoped it would be eventually so but we started making up um stories that way and five minute stories giving constraints to it then we decided to teach a workshop again probably nick's idea to teach a workshop on it and that became our stories from the outside in workshop it was a very cool workshop yeah and as time went on it became less and less about like ericksonian you know storytelling and more just about storytelling just the art of telling a good story and that's what it evolved into being much more of is just how do you tell a good story? How, when, how do you make when, it? When telling a story in yeah. your business or otherwise, <clears throat> I probably the more preparation, the better storytelling you're going to you're gonna Sure, do, absolutely. Right. But of course, so you can practice and be, become skillful at it and become a good improvisationist as well. Yes. well what, how, how would you gauge it or assess if you should prepare or improv uh, a storytelling or a, when you you might include storytelling in a presentation or a, an interaction. How, how, how would you gauge that? Well, you know, Tony, that reminds me of a story. Let's hear it. I got the real beard. Oh, beard, beard there. Uh, um, Dave, Dave can, uh, what a lot of people don't know is Doug cannot grow facial hair. He has... <laughs> 
<laughs> if you're if you're if you're listening to this, you got to go on the YouTube and you got to see Doug and I. This is really fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually can grow it quite rapidly these days, and it's the same color as yours. It's all gray, so I, I shave it off every opportunity. Um, but uh, seriously, now, folks, the I think the ability to improv gets you get better at it. There are probably some people who are born with it. You know, some you mm-hmm. know Irish guys who are blessed with the gift of blarney you know that can tell a story like you never believe it oh it's got to be the irish i can't come i can't be the italian Doug. Yeah, well, in this case in this case it's the irish <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> you know I, frank frank fairly uh nick kemp is great for doing uh what he calls provocative change works now yes. and um and and he got a lot of that from frank fairly frank yes. fairly did provocative therapy and um you turn me on to that yeah, it's great stuff. And uh, I remember <laughs> Frank came to New York and I, I brought him to New York and he did a, a workshop for us in New York City. And um, so I, I have this on, on video. You can see this on YouTube too. Um, but he's he's asked, you know, how do you become a provocative therapist? And he said, I was, I was, I was in Germany when I was asked this, you know, what are the steps to becoming a, a provocative therapist? And he said, well, you know, it, it comes down to the story. And um, there is really one key thing that you must remember when you're telling a good story. And, and, and all the Germans, he said, are getting their pens out ready to write down what Frank is about to tell them. So the, the very, the most key thing in telling a good story is you must be born Irish. <laughs> they were like, oh, Frank. <laughs> but, but seriously, it, you don't have to be born Irish. Everybody tells but you. Need, but you do need a shillelagh, though. <laughs> you do need a shillelagh. And some Guinness is helpful as well. Oh, I know. Um, but seriously now, folks, the um, the reason it's good to 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 practice before you get into the improving, if you're if you're not one of those people just born with it, is that storytelling works best when there's a structure to it. When there's a structure to it, you sort of have a setup that this is where things are at the beginning, and then something happens, right? That that changes things. And there's a, you know, there's something that's, you know, involved that could be dangerous or important or whatever. There's there's stakes involved, and then there's a story that leads to a climax, and then there's a denouement kind of thing of, of wrapping up at the end. But that, you know, climax usually comes right right near the end, and then then it's over. Um, that's the way it's going to happen in this in this interview, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Just keep 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 in tune because it's coming, folks. But if you can tell a story with that sort of structure to it, it could be comedic or it could be laughable or I mean, uh, uh, tragic, whatever. But if that structure is kind of just a, a level of energy and expen- expectancy, that will click with your audience. That will really click. Most people, when they tell stories, if they're not, if they haven't practiced, you know, having that sort of uh, involvement with it they get involved in the details and they try to tell it as if it happened, you know, step by step. Like, okay, first I, I was going to go to the store to get some eggs. So I got in the car and I uh, put the key in the ignition and then I stepped on the gas and then I drove up the driveway and then I turned right onto the street, you know, and they tell me every friggin' detail of the story. You don't need those details, right? You need to know what's the point of the story. Then you, emphasize that it's not that you're lying you don't lie it's not about that but you you embellish the important parts that need to get the story across 
and you leave out all the details that aren't important, just, just enough to, you know, have the person be able to follow along to get to what's important about this. Um, and if, if you can do that compellingly, then you've got, you got your listeners and they'll be paying attention, business, therapy, around the dinner table, you know, it's all the same, same art. By the way, I was thinking about having the climax in this interview being self-immolation, lighting myself <laughs> on fire. What do you think? <laughs> or, 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 or I could be like, like do that and be like Daffy Duck. If you remember the cartoon from 40 years ago, whatever, Daffy mm -hmm. Duck, he eats all this dynamite and blows himself up. He goes, oh, but I can only do it once. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, and that note, we'll take a moment to hear a final break from a, a, for a commercial, and we'll come right back with the final segment with Doug O'Brien. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Perficio. Do you know why most wealthy people are that way? It's because they think like wealthy people, and a fool and his money are soon parted. Visit www.perficio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O dot I-O, where you can actually transfer the wealth mentality into your own brain, and you will think wealth. You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast. I'm here with Doug O'Brien, and this is the final segment. Doug, what did you do with Dr. Oz? Did you make Dr. Oz? Did I meet him? No, did you make him? I was about to say, did I meet him? He was nothing before he met me. Yeah, nothing, a piker. <laughs> he was nothing. Um, I I was I was teaching at Ericksonian hypnosis class back in the '90s, and one of the students there was a nurse who said they are starting this new program up at Columbia Presbyterian, where she worked, um, called the Complementary Care Center, and they're looking for alternative practitioners who could do various things in order to. Um, see if they will work in a, in a hospital setting. They wanted to test basically what would work in hospital settings. So I, I went up and volunteered. Now this meant I had to, I had to go from my apartment in Brooklyn. Uh, I had to be on the subway by 6.30 in the morning in order to get to a meeting that started at eight in the morning on Wednesdays at Columbia Presbyterian. This was not easy for me. You loved it. Did I mention I'm a musician? So, you know, I would sometimes stay up to 6.30, but I didn't get up at 6.30. I didn't... That's the best way not to be late. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd get up at 5.30. I'd get dressed, get showered, put a like, suit and tie on kind of thing and go to this thing. Um, so for a few years, I was volunteering. The, the idea for the Complementary Care Center is to find out what are these alternative therapies would work. So we had massage, we had acupuncture, we had all sorts of different things in there. And um, eventually it became the Department of Complementary Medicine. And they little by little sort of weaned out the things that they didn't think worked so great. And they focused on the things that they did. So the two things that ultimately were left were massage and hypnosis. So my job was to do pri primarily pre-surgical hypnosis for the cardiac patients that Dr. Oz is a, is a cardiothoracic surgeon. So he was, by the way, brilliant surgeon, brilliant doctor. He, he invented, was one of the co-developers, co-creators of this thing called the LVAD device, left ventricle assist device, which is a little artificial heart thing. Basically it pumps the left ventricle. The left ventricle is the fourth chamber of the heart that pumps the blood out into the rest of the body. So if your left ventricle isn't working very well, you don't have much energy that you're not getting oxygen to the blood cells and your muscles, et cetera. And so, you know, it's very, very serious. Yeah. But really isn't the heart as an organ kind of overrated? <laughs> uh, 
Did you expound on that, Mr. Pedroza? <laughs> maybe I was being metaphoric. Maybe I was being, uh, I'm thinking about love and compassion. Maybe, maybe not literally. Literally. Yeah, that's incredible. The guy is very smart. Obviously, I mean, yeah. just to collaborate with you, he had to be pretty. Uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. But yeah, so um, so he was a cardiothoracic surgeon. He was before his books were written. Is before he got his own TV show and stuff. So it was a long time ago. But um. That's what I did. And it was fascinating. It was, I learned so much from the process. I learned so much. I didn't make much money there, but boy, did I learn a lot. Um, I made some eventually because it became a department. We got some funding and, and so I would get paid for the work. But it was a lot of, lot of volunteering and a lot of learning about how to work with patients prior to surgery. Very cool. Yeah. Lastly, how many people have you hypnotized? More oh, than a couple, right? Well, you know, um, I don't know if you mentioned this in my bio, but for uh, seven, eight years, I, I used to travel the country for the John Morgan Seminars Company, where I would do hypnosis programs for weight loss and smoking cessation. So if you count all those people, I've, I've hypnotized over 10,000, tens of thousands of people. I mean, I, I have no idea, but it's well over 10,000, probably under 50 but lots and lots and lots of people. Because I would do groups at a time. I would, we'd go from one city and I'd do a smoking cessation for a couple of hours and then we'd do a weight loss for a couple of hours and then we'd go to the next city and drive around like that. And, uh, wow, so it was like the dream, your musician dream, except you weren't playing shows, you, you were hypnotizing yeah. audiences. That's kind of true, yeah, it's kind of true. Instead of a tour bus, however, I was getting a rental car and I was doing the driving, but still it was, yeah. I, what was great about it, really, truly, honestly great about it is, I just have to show up. You know, John Morgan did all the organizing. He did all the booking. He did all that stuff. I just said, okay, here are my plane tickets. Let's go. And I'd pack my suitcase and I'd go and teach seminars. And it was, it was great on that level. It was fantastic. Wow, man. That's very cool. Man, you got such an awesome resume and experience, man. Keep going, Doug. Keep going. <laughs> well, I will. I will. I will. Thank you. Thank you, I'm glad we had this little talk. It was a reason for it. So, so finally, okay, that's it. We're at the end. You bored me to tears. I'm kidding. This has been truly wonderful. Uh, why don't, how, how does um, someone get a hold of you? Well, um, we see this tree right there. Uh, if you go, if you walk north until you get to that tree. Uh, you're going to get, you're going to get, that's not going to work, Doug. No, no. You're not, you're not, other people are not upstate New York, all right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what you do is, uh, Doug, no, I'm, what, 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 let me see. I've got uh, multiple websites. There's the one that you mentioned before is the, the essentialcoachingskills.com is a great way to get hold of me. You can also get hold of me at ericksonian.com. I, I, I got that website, Ericksonian Hypnosis, except it's called ericksonian.com. And uh, there's a third website. That's available. Uh, actually, there's fourth and a fifth, but uh, the third one that's probably most easy for people to remember is DougO'BrienHypnosis.com. Fantastic. So I encourage yep. anyone to go there. I've bought quite a number of products from you. Download stuff that's easily downloaded of hypnosis things, things that are not hypnosis. Uh, great stuff there. I encourage and blog. The blogs are very informative uh, videos. So I encourage any viewer or listener to go to uh, Doug's website, ericksonian.com, brianhypnosis.com yeah. or essentialcoachingskills.com. Yeah, very nice. Thank you very much. Finally, uh, is there 
anything is there anything uh, on the horizon does anyone have any, is there anything to look forward to uh in the uh, doug o'brien uh ornament the armory that <laughs> <laughs> yeah well like i said i i launched that essential coaching skills uh website last year so rapidly that it was kind of a you know it's good it's very good nice looking website and everything and i've been doing classes all year long it's been a year now doing classes of, of nlp and hypnosis and so now i'm kind of repackaging them in a way that people can can you know learn those different packages without having to you know be at my class every week so they, it's all going to be packaged about tied up in a little bow so they could go through these things and get certified as a hypnotist or um i don't do certifications in the nlp but i do a sort of um partnership with other people so they can take people can take my offerings in the nlp world and then use that as a prerequisite to join like a, a an accelerated seven day nlp training if they want to do that so they can use it as part of a of their training and of course uh sleight of mouth is there as well Doug, it has truly been my pleasure to have you on this podcast and have this discussion with you. I'm so glad to reconnect with you. I haven't spoken to you in too long, and it was a delight. And I think very valuable, too, for the listener and the viewer. Maybe the listener more than the viewer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I really appreciate it very much. Would you like to say goodbye to our audience? Goodbye, audience. Thank you for tuning in. And um, this is actually reality people look at this think this is a, a virtual background but tony and i actually are together in uh the northern uh woods. We're, in, we're in alaska this is aurora borealis yeah and uh we're freezing to death right now this is probably the last time you'll hear from us <laughs> well that's why i'm hoping you can do that self-emulation thing so i can well, that's why i'm cold i'm cold man. <laughs> <laughs> okay very good doug i really appreciate you you're you're a major influence on me and uh and people now know why <laughs> all right that doug's to blame now i blame doug so oh, no figures <laughs> out oh, no. you didn't think it would end this way did you all brian <laughs> so just remember every one of us is responsible for ourselves but we can all use some help thanks for joining us see you next time Thank you for tuning in to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast, where insights, attitudes, and methods for success get illuminated. Learn what leaders and change workers have done and are doing now to create magnificent futures. Remember to visit our website at self-helpcoaching.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Self-Help Coaching Podcast.